What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. As always, my name is Casey, joined by Josh. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, Casey. There's always 2023. Okay, so we're we're throwing away the second half as it goes and uh, just, just scrapping it all and saying that uh, we have 2023 to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair statement and we can, we can lean into the draft into prospects and, you know, oh, well, if you're counting on that, I feel Detroit. like it's going to be like 2025 maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just such a roller coaster of emotions this last two weeks of Tigers baseball. I think that's kind of how it goes now with the all-star break. I mean, like whether your team good did good or did bad in the first half, I feel like now that the draft is, tied in with the all-star game i feel like it's just like an absolute roller coaster of like ups and downs of potential of destroying your future of the organization or maybe creating something really good i don't know but um i think and obviously we'll get into it but i think specifically for the tigers um this has been one of the most uh up and down emotional roller coasters of the year and i mean if we were going to talk about the games that have happened over the last two weeks i think we finished the first half like winning two out of ten and uh then we got a pretty good pretty good draft to talk about so look forward to all of that and more (laughs) but before (laughs) we get there uh how was your how was your week buddy uh, it's still pretty busy. Still, still working a ton. Made a made a quick trip up to Michigan this weekend. So, oh, you came fun. back home. I did. I did. Visited some family over the weekend. And that was very nice. Very very good break from work for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, you got in that drive down yet? I'm sure it's just like a walk in the park after all the driving that you typically do. I mean, it's you change freeways twice and you're there basically. So mm-hmm, it's. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a pretty easy drive, even if you didn't know where you're going. So, Fair enough, fair enough. Um, quick question. Do you have uh, Siri as a female or as a male in your car? I think it's a female. I feel I, like I you don't... know. Are you saying that it's a female to, 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 to say that it's not or to like – risk not embarrassing yourself or i'm not gonna lie i don't think i've ever changed it so it's whatever it was automatically and i don't really pay attention that much so okay 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 the reason i asked is i i was i was in someone's car over the weekend who uh who had male uh version of siri um made me feel very uncomfortable i was i was not here for it it's like all right this is a little i guess that kind of would be weird they even went as far to make them like the Australian accent, which it's like you care a lot about this. It's you you far care too much thought for me. Yeah. Absolutely not. One hundred percent. And uh, I can't. Oh man, it's like it's gonna annoy me the rest of this time. Of like, who was I with, and what were we doing? But uh, yeah, that was super off-putting. I am one of those people that just hopes that I can see everything I need to see on the because I, I mean I think I think that's just like a thing right we're all directionally challenged uh, at this age I don't think that any of us really have any idea or like a map lexicon in our in our minds like our parents did right but like some of us use the dialogue 
for Siri and like have her talk to you or have your maps talk to you. I don't do, I don't do any of that. I shut them up as quick as possible and just hope that I can figure out from road signs and, and the blue line that I'm following that I can get to where I need to go. Do you have her talk or do, what do you do? See, I don't, I don't have her talk, but I am very much dependent on, on, well, I use Google maps. I don't, I don't use Apple maps. I've gotten in trouble way too many times. Yeah. They'll put you in the middle of an ocean. I mean, I, I, if I didn't have any sort of navigation GPS situation, I would be lost. I would not know how to do my job because I drive to most places where I don't know where I'm going. So (laughs) as, as do I, I I I do a lot of traveling as well. And so, yeah, I'm also on the same boat of like, if I didn't have this, I, I would, I don't think I'd be alive right now. It's, it's good. Good thing that these technologies exist, but just, I guess my word of warning is just, just keep them as they are. Let's not, let's not make Siri a male. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I digress. We are on a complete tangent. Um, we have a lot to get to today. We have the end of the first half. We have some uh, demotions to talk about, some draft things to talk about, and then uh, a home run derby to predict about and an all-star game to predict about um, because this is the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. And as I said last week, I'm going to do a little bit better job of plugging um, the, uh, the places you can find us. So Josh, uh, what is our Twitter account? The Twitter account is Old English Pod on Twitter, and the podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. We are at Spotify. We're at Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. I don't know of any other podcast platforms, but we're probably there too. So your RSS feeds and your... I don't think we're out of the RSS feeds, technically, technically speaking. Well, I have a file for one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. How did that go? I mean, it did it when I was creating. Like, not not an official ad here, but Anchor makes it really easy to where you can, like, sign up for all of that through their Uh platform. Uh And then if you want to add it to a bunch of other platforms, you just have to take that RSS feed and, and plug it in over there. So... Fascinating. Okay. Well, there you go. Fair enough. Um, Jumping right into it. uh, We have climbed the mountain and we have made it through quite possibly one of the worst first halves of Detroit Tigers baseball there possibly ever will be and ever was. (laughs) I I don't have uh, statistics to back that up, but I have emotion and I have feeling behind it. And uh I feel like at the very least, it was one of the most disappointing first halves of Tigers baseball. Um, it feels like we've climbed a mountain and we're not even, I mean, like we're obviously we're more than halfway through, but I mean, Sunday's game got rained out. Mercifully. Right. Exactly. And um, the Tigers now sit at 37 and 55, which Again, being 18 games below 500, which is not where we thought this team would be even remotely, um, kind of puts a damper on things. Uh, you have any, uh, I don't know, maybe more optimistic views of it, or am I right online, or is that is that kind of how you're feeling? I mean, it's definitely, you said it best 
just a second ago when you were saying like disappointing because clearly from where we where we were at to start the season we were definitely thinking you know contending for maybe fringe wild card contention and we are definitely not there we are definitely still in the lower lowest tier of team in the eyes of every baseball fan and for good reason we just we haven't played well we've had some decent pitching performances this year and some really streaky hitting to i think that's probably the best way to put it in best best case scenario we were streaky honestly but yeah i mean with the expectation that we would be at least 500, this is, this is awful. And if we play at the current rate that we're playing right now, all the way to the end of the season, we're going to barely, barely get over the, or we'll barely miss the hundred loss mark. So, yeah, I think we dodged that bullet, but at the same time, then you look at the last couple of weeks and we've won like two games or whatever. It's like, oh no, this could easily go in, in a more negative direction. And it's like, uh, well, there's still a reality where we lose a hundred games this year. <laughs> like that's still a very much possible reality. I mean, we could definitely say that without the random great pitching performances that we've had, we would definitely be down in that territory. But here's my thing, and I, I don't have the numbers on it. Maybe you could look it up real quick. I, and whatever it is, if we get a finite, if we get a like a true number, it is what it is. But it, there have been like quite a few close, like two run games or like one run games. And if a few of those go our way, a few more of those go our way, we're like at least a little bit more happy with the outcome. Like we're not 500 or anything. I don't think it's been that many games. Like, I don't, and, and you can't, you got to be realistic about it. You're not going to win every one run game, but it's just like, guys, like, what are we doing? Like, like who, one, who's held responsible for this? <laughs> that's, that's my thing is like, like th- this should not be the case. And, and this team is way better than that. This, these names are way better than that. And is it just a, is it a clubhouse issue? Is it, is it a staff issue? Um, is it a mixture of the two? Is it, is it something completely else? Something that we haven't thought of? Um, there's, there's gotta be like some kind of reason that this team couldn't at the very least put together a better first half that's more consistent. And I get it. We had some bad luck. Like, I mean, like truthfully, we had some really, really bad luck, uh, Riley going down hurt. No one foresaw. Um, he's obviously been, he, at least he was being a difference maker. I mean, he had a really good game in Cleveland, but uh, that, you know, it's since cooled off or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, Casey going down with Tommy John, the unfortunate situation with Austin Meadows and Eduardo Rodriguez. I mean, like the list goes on in these injuries, right? But at some point you got to stop making excuses. You know what I mean? And it's just like, there's players on this team that can hold us together, but nothing with the offense was clicking like ever, except for like a two week period on and off. And that's just not going to carry a baseball team. But it also goes to show that the, all like, like baseball is played on dirt and grass and not on paper. So to, I, I did find in, in one run games, the Tigers are 10 and 10. And the rest of the central has a winning record in one run games. Cool. Okay. Yeah. We've played in only two extra inning games this year. Which is also a problem. <laughs> well, 
it's kind of wild because every other team has like 10. Yeah, it's it's like these games are being decided and they're be, being decided within regulation. Um, whether that be handedly or like you said, you know, it sounds like we have 21 run run one run games. Whew, say that three times fast. Um and yeah, no, I mean it seems like this team pretty much has the game decided by the fifth inning. <laughs> like, like there's, there's, there's really, there's no going back. I'm like, Oh yeah, we're going to come back in this game. Like, no, it's pretty much. All right. By the time seventh inning rolls around, we have an idea of where this, this one's going to end up, which is unfortunate. So to answer your question earlier about we like, what's like, it's pretty easy to point out exactly what's wrong with this team in the central to some we, people in, in the central, we have allowed the third let the third trying to figure out how to word this amount of runs least amount of runs yeah in in the in the al central and we are far from the last in runs allowed in the american league but we're the only hold on i'm making sure that i'm saying this correctly before i get anywhere yes we're the only baseball team in major league baseball to not have scored at least 300 runs this year the only team that's problematic. Oakland has scored over 300 runs this year. Washington has scored 360 runs this year. The Cincinnati Reds have scored 390 runs this year. And that's calling out the worst of the worst right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even name five athletics players. I can name probably three of them, but I can't name five. The Tigers have scored 288 runs this year. And, and right, I mean, this all kind of culminates into what I really want to get to, which is AJ's like post first half comments that like, I mean, it, it's good that obviously someone asked him, but like, if I were him, I would also hate answering this question. So I kind of understand the, the word salad a little bit, but it's also like, dude, we, we need some, not just like answers here. We need some like Hey, this is what we're doing about it. And uh, so Cody Savenhagen, I know we talk about Cody a lot uh, on this pod, um, beat writer for the Tigers on the athletic.com. Uh, he, he just specifically, you know, asked him this question or at least got uh, the answer to this question. And uh, he says this, AJ says this in quotes, we need to look at how we can evolve better as an organization, as a team, and as a coaching staff. We can't be satisfied that we're trying hard. This is a results-oriented business, and we are not getting the results that we expect, end quote. Then a um, little bit further uh, in the line of questioning um, came the idea of what we're all kind of hoping happens, which is the relieving of duties or the firing of Scott Kubal, because it just realistically someone has to answer for the lack of offense. Um, And he said this, the staffing question is fair because we're all responsible. Continuing as coaches, we have to challenge ourselves to continually try to reach these guys in different ways and get the best performance out of them that we can. End quote. Continuing a little bit further, the move, which he's referring to a move to fire said um, coaching staff individual is for the 24 hour news cycle 
And if you don't have a solution that you know is better immediately, end quote. I hear a lot of unsureness in a lot of those words. Like, I think it's pretty clear he understands what the fan base wants, but really he's not willing to do it because he doesn't think that there's a tangible solution to the problem that they have. Whereas like I come at it from, and I, I, you know, I don't want to speak for you. So I'll, I'll let you, you know, kind of put, um, put some thought into this too. Like if I am a player on this team and, you know, relationship aside with Scott Kubal or whatever it is, or if you have a good relationship with them, whatever it is, like you're constantly hearing whatever it is they're trying to put into your brain to make you a more consistent hitter, a more productive hitter, a more um, realistically contributing factor to this ball club. And none of any of that has worked from either Scott Kubal or Mike Hesman. Just, I, I don't, I, I refuse to believe that any of it has worked. And so why like continue to do that and have these kids fall into these, and, and you know, not just kids. I mean, some of them are veterans too, fall into these habits that are clearly destructive because there are just, plenty of examples of on this team that players that produced well in their careers before and are not producing this year or are not producing up to the standards that they should be producing, whatever it is. And they are just continually being told the wrong thing or not being driven in the right, right direction. And it is killing this offense. What are your thoughts on that? I think it is very fair, everything that you're saying. I think it's fair for the fan base to wonder what needs to change. Because clearly, like we said before, something has to change. There's not enough runs being scored. And that's the whole key to playing baseball is you have to score runs and not let the other team score runs. It's broken down very simply. That's the name of the game in baseball. And the Tigers aren't scoring runs. I understand what AJ's, where AJ is coming from. Uh, I, I'm not here to say that he's right. I'm not here to say that he's wrong. I don't know what his options are. I, I don't know what an, what kind of uh, hiring options he has for a replacement. If that would be, if that would be the move, because, you know, it, it's clearly not, something's not working with it, with this offense and the hitting staff. And I just, it's, it's really tough because I know Kuba has been here as long as, as Hinch has been, he's been, he was one of the guys that Hinch brought in and I'm sure he has a relationship with AJ and with a lot of the players that have been here since then. My main concern comes from, like you were saying, uh, it comes just from the tone and, and the message that it seems like AJ is setting that he really doesn't know what to do. It's a tough situation. A hundred percent. It's a, it's a very difficult place to be when the team that is supposed to be good or better is failing. It's tough, but you have to, if you want to be a major league coach and if you want to be a leader of a team, 
you have to be decisive. You have to, you know, be actionable in your words and have something to show for, you know, the years that you've put in now. And it just, it just sounds like he's at his wit's end, which to be fair, I would probably be too, but you have to have some kind of solution. The whole line of we have to do better and we're working hard and any, anything like that. It's just, the more you say it, the, the worse it sounds to, to anyone on the outside. And I understand baseball is a hard game. Getting guys out of slumps, if, if somebody knew how to get a baseball player out of a slump, they would be the richest person on the planet. And it's definitely not overnight, too, which is important to, you know, I mean, like, it's not going to happen in, you know, when you talk about it one night or one day and it's not going to happen. Like, we all get that. We're all very aware. But now we have a big enough sample size where we understand that something's not working. <laughs> like something's over, not clicking. We're almost, are we 90 games in? Is that how 93 or 94. 90 games in. A lot of these guys are over, I don't know, two, 300 at-bats now. I think even, yeah, I was going to say, we'll see 400 at-bats, I think. It, what more do you need to see? And clearly the Tigers have seen enough of, of Torkelson in, in the majors. And Oh, no, he, it finally happened. Oh, it finally uh, happened. Um, yeah, so what you're referring to is Tork got demoted. Uh, that happened. I, you called me when this happened and I, I wasn't, I was not ready for this. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, I was actually away from my phone. I think I was like downstairs in the basement or something. And I didn't even check Twitter. I had no idea this. And I saw like 20 minutes later and I was like, and like, it was the feeling of like, I wish that I didn't see this coming. I wish that I had been wrong about this the entire time, but how long have we been saying this? I mean, you've been saying it since April, but. And I wish I like, I, and now it's almost like, okay, well, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like we have two, maybe three months. If you really start doing some calculations left of baseball and like, I get it. It had to happen eventually, but if you truly want him to come back, which is, what AJ is talking about. Cause there was that whole thing about, it could be 10 days. It could be a week. It could be, you know I mean? We're not sure. We don't have a timeline for it. Um, if you truly want him to come back, are you really doing him a service and giving him the time that he needs to, to put together a solid approach and get back to the hitter that we, we know he can be uh, no, you're, you're not like there's, there's not a chance. I think you just leave him down there. Honestly, I think you just leave him down there for the rest of the season. I'm very much on on AJ's line of thinking on this because it really depends on how he looks. If he gets down to AAA and in two weeks, he's looking confident and he has a good plate approach. He's hitting the ball with authority. Why would you not bring him back to the major leagues? Because that's what he's down there for. He's to reestablish his plate approach and to not be under the pressure of playing playing in the major leagues. That's why they sent him down. Not because they don't think he can play in the major leagues, but they think they need he needs to get back. Very much along the same lines that they did with Badu, which some mixed results since he's come back. But well, mixed results and how long better. did it take? I mean, like I know he was hurt, but how long did it take? Well, right, it took him a little bit over two three months. But yeah, it's a different player. <laughs> 
Oh, 100%. Yeah, and no. Yeah. I have much more faith in, in Torque turning it around than Badu turning it around. But that's my thing is I, I have no doubts that he can hit triple A pitcher. I have zero doubts. And that's, I, and I, I think that's the problem is like, it, they're going to look for him to start doing results oriented things. And that's not what that's not, that's again, not what we need. I think he will go down and be again, the hitter that we expect him to be, but that doesn't mean it. Like we've talked about a million times. It does not translate to the majors. It just doesn't. And so they need to figure out what that impasse is. And, and I mean, I, think it's going to take longer than 10 days like i'm just going to well, come out yeah I, I i don't think 10 days is realistic either all i'm saying is i don't think you can box any one player into one plan of of he needs to go down for the rest of the year because we were both on the same page when badu got sent down like that had to happen and we weren't really sure what like we were like this could be the last time we see badu in the major leagues no, i think one of us said that and I don't think you could sit here and say, you know, Torque needs to be down for the whole rest of the year. Because if he does figure it out, then, or if he does start hitting better, then what you're saying is he needs to be back in the major leagues because he's not going to figure it out in, in AAA. Right. No, I, I understand that. But my thing is, is, is it's not about the results. That's kind of what I'm getting at, is, is I think it, it has to be more about, um, Anything you said about like his confidence level, but I don't think that happens quickly. And I, and I mean, again, like I, I don't, I, I like, I want him to be in the majors. I just, I, I can almost, I, I'm almost willing to place bets that the right decision is just to, just to keep him down. I, I, if he doesn't figure it out and if he's still hitting the same in AAA, that's clearly the correct answer. But if he starts hitting well and is confident down in AAA, you have to at least give him a shot in the majors. You have to, you have to see if, see if that confidence can translate. That's, that's all I'm saying. Like it's going to do him no good if he hits 20 home runs the rest of the year in AAA. It's going to do him no good. Oh, geez, that would be electric. Okay, I'll make you. I'll make. I'll pin you in a corner. Then, do we see? I'm just going to go on a sliding scale. Do we see Torque by August first, back in the majors? No. Okay. Do we see Torque by August twentieth, back in the majors? No. Okay, September first. So that's pretty much where I'm drawing the line. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. I think so it's... you're you're treating this as like a September call up. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, again, at that point, I just feel like it's just wasted space. Like, what? What if? What are I you going to have him do? Because the 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 minor league season ends end of August, beginning of September. That's a fair point. That's a very fair point. I always forget that. Would that's you rather have point. him sit down and go back to California and not hit, or would you rather have him at least getting some at bats? Maybe not starting in Detroit. Mm-hmm. That might be that might be something where I mean, he's not he wasn't really starting the last week or two anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but maybe just have him get some at-bats against lefties every once in a while just to, you know, slowly work him back in. I would much rather have him learning somewhere that we're learning nowhere, nothing. Yeah, that's right. Now, can we confirm that it actually uh, – I know typically it is that way, but uh, with the, uh, you know, like the 
to shorten spring or whatever, or, you know what I mean? Like with the, with the you make a fair situation, point. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually asking, I don't, I don't know how long the, the minor league season, goes, but you are typically correct. Um, so that's a fair, fair, fair point. Um, and not to catch you completely off guard while you're looking that up. Who's his replacement. We haven't gotten that info yet. Do we know? Do, do we have a guess? I mean, if I'm Cody Clemens and it's not me, I'm heated. No, I'm pretty upset. Um, I think there's a chance that they give uh, a Kerry Carpenter, Crackler type of player down there a shot. Kerry Carpenter's so hasty, but I love it. Oh, um, two. The problem is Austin Meadows, though. But adjust my. Statement. What if they have Austin Meadows play first? Whoa, that just it's kind of contrasting. Interesting. Or. Didn't Grossman play first like once last year or something weird like that? No, I think you're thinking of Haas. Maybe I'm thinking of Haas, yeah. Which could work still because Haas Fair. has been one of the hotter hitters the last couple weeks. And he also, um, uh, the AAA season and September 28th is the Mud Hens oh, game. So okay. I, was, I was incorrect. I was incorrect. But typically you're correct. But I think, yeah, typically it doesn't lock out. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, that's a whole other wrinkle in it, but I, I would of course like to see him back in Tigers uniform. I just wonder if this move would have been, yeah, here we go. Here we go. I'm, I'm, and I hate, I hate to be this guy, but same thing with like the Casey, my situation. What if we were decisive in the beginning? You know, like what, like how much time would we have spared if, if someone put their foot down and said, no. This is clearly not working. This is clearly trending in this direction. I don't care what you say. This is how it goes. I don't see a lot of that happening in this organization, and it's sad. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. What is who is a who is a successful baseball organization to you right now? Oh, well, I mean, who comes uh, to mind? The Dodgers come to mind first. Okay. Say Spencer Torkelson is a Los Angeles Dodger right now, and they just sent him down. It is the all-star break. What do you think they do? What do you, do you think that they leave him down for the rest of the year? I think you're making a lot of assumptions that Spencer Torkelson is the same player at the Dodgers. Well, that's baked into my question. Okay. The fact but, that he's but played the, the Dodgers. Do the Dodgers try and make him a third baseman? Do the I, I, Dod- that's not what I'm debating right now. Uh, I'm not well, so debating I, but, that they they treat but, him the same way. I'm saying, but I'm saying, but I mean, if you're attacking an organizational issue, you have to also attack the problem with the organization as a whole. And one of them is the clear need for this organization to feel like they have some kind of control over a situation that they have zero control. Over, period. I understand that, but that's I'm asking a very specific question. Well, right, but I'm also, but I guess my my problem is, is I, I guess I'm pointing some some flawed. I guess in my view, every prospect that comes up, and it's not, and, and this is okay. Maybe I should back up from saying every because in a debate you can't you can't you should always refrain from saying never or every or whatever situation. But most prospects that I see come up from the Dodgers are, at the very least, contributing to their expectations. Okay, let and, me rephrase I, my question then. Since and I think that goes into how they it goes into how they have their organization as a whole, and it goes into their staffing, goes into their player development, goes into and and that to be fair, that goes into a whole other conversation. I Ryan Garko 
is from the Dodgers organization. So I think, again, what this guy is doing or, you know, didn't have the chance to do a torque, I think is being changed. So it's important to, to state that all of these things that go into this, they take time, they take decades, they take eras. And so I think we're trending in the right direction, but I think torque just missed out. I really think that torque was handled very poorly. Sorry, you're rephrasing I, the question. I, I agree with you with your statement on torque. Let's say the Tigers trade torque to the Dodgers tomorrow. Okay. I know that would never happen. Okay. Okay. I'm here for say it. Say they trade him and he's in we're, Albuquerque. Please tell me we got there. Tony Gonzalez back. <laughs> <laughs> Can't man I himself. I don't know who the return is, but say we trade him to the Dodgers. What do the Dodgers do with him the rest of the year? And again, this is going to sound like a cop-out. They keep him in the minors because they have a first baseman. Mm-hmm. It's Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, 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 and that's, 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 a, that's a real, that's a real life answer. And it's, I, I could, but this organization is playing from a place of need. And that's one mm-hmm. of the problems is like, if it's torque, it's nobody. And that's a problem. You know what I mean? If it's green, it's nobody. And that's a problem. The thing with the, Dodger, the Dodgers is there's always someone else, it seems like. And I get it. 30,000 feet. We're not in it. Like we're in with the Tigers. I don't know the ins and outs of that organization. You know, I can, you know, say some front office names and, you know, make some connections and, and do all that, but we're not in it. You know what I mean? So it's easy to say that, but it does feel like we always are coming from a place of desperation. No, I don't know if desperation is the correct phrase, but I I completely agree with what you're saying because we're acting and it seems like the Tigers front office is acting like this is a team that's competing for something right now and we're not and they can't treat player development like we're in a place of need, which to kind of segue kind of nicely is that it does seem like they're doing a bit better draft-wise about not drafting need, which I personally think you cannot draft from a place of need in baseball because the development window is so long on a lot of these players. The Tigers did a fantastic job this time of, I think, taking the best player available every single time. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, and I think they drafted from a, uh, a position of need from an offensive standpoint where they realized that they are pretty pitching heavy, but it wasn't like position to a position. You know what I mean? Like the, it wasn't like a breakdown of like, okay, we need a second baseman. Clearly we got to go get a second baseman. I mean, realistically, I know that kind of is uh, coincidence that we technically do need a second baseman. And the number one pick that we chose was a second baseman. But my point is, is, you can make the argument that we did draft from position of need from organization standpoint, but that's like everything on the offensive standpoint rather than, you know, and that's a very broad, right? Exactly. Use of the word uh, position because they were all hitters, most mostly hitters. And, and and that's what the organization needed a refresh of. They needed a refresh of the bats. Um, So yeah, do you want to go into it? You want to go into uh, who we're excited about and, and who the Tigers took? Yeah. Um, we started out first round. We took Jace Young uh, out of Texas Tech. He's a second baseman. 12th overall. 12th overall. A lot of places had him ranked a lot higher than that. He's one of the better college bats on, on the list. Which Mike we Avila's 
his his uh, hand positioning is a little funky, but I definitely think that's it's not it's- quite as bad as Michael Vilas. It's definitely not, but it is it is definitely funky. I do, I think it probably helps in the long run, though. Not with like okay, you know, actually, like if he run, if he runs into a rut, who the heck saves him from this? But I think like to make consistent contact and maybe even keep his bat in the zone longer. Um, the way he holds his hand seems to uh, I don't know seems to seems to fit him and in, in his swing path. Um, MLB.com has his scouting grades, and this is for anybody who doesn't understand. It's a, the baseball scouting grades go from 20 to 80, 20 being the worst, 80 being the best, and it's by tens. You go by, but well, some of them are by fives, but it's not like point fives. It's a, it's a, what would that be? Uh, ooh, quick math. Um, not a hundred, but. <laughs> It's odd. So his his hit tool is graded out at a 60. Right. His power is graded at a 60 out of 80, 20 to 80. His running or speed is, is rated at a 40. His arm is rated at a 45, fielding 45. And then I think they amalgamate the rest of them to the overall of a 60. Mm-hmm. So an above average player. And that's current. That's that those ratings are current. They're not projected. It's technically a 14 point scale is what I was getting to. I see seven levels. It's seven levels between 20 and 80. And realistically there's 0.5s. So technically a 14 point scale. You may continue. Very niche baseball situation for sure. Um, He's lefty plays second base. He's played a little bit of third base as well. Uh, he's six foot two oh five. He looks like a, you know, a very developed kid, to put it, hopefully not oddly. But uh, his older brother Josh Young is the second-rated prospect in the Texas Rangers system. So clearly, there's some baseball in that family that goes well. Um. Yeah, I really liked the pick. Uh, we were. So did I. A little bit scared of of a pitcher there. There was a possibility of reaching again for a pitcher, um, but we 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 really enjoyed that pick. That's I think what we needed there. Um, there was a couple other I, couple other like Cam Collier, uh, ju- junior college guy, was available there. As yeah, well. there's that Suzak, that Suzak catcher. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think as soon as Kumar Rocker, bless his heart. <laughs> was chosen by the Texas Rangers third overall. I started to get a really, really good feeling. Oh, excuse me about this situation. Like it wasn't for sure that there was going to be even a college hitter available for us at this early pick. We knew that this, um, this draft was, uh, it was being it was honestly being proposed as like a very very top heavy draft with not a lot of uh talent after the top you know 10 picks and honestly that's not the way it played out at all and so i'm not really sure where those you know predictions came out of but like we got a top five talent at number 12 and credit to obviously al obviously his company um and, and company i should say um that um, put this together and not being scared of, you know, draft slot pricing or, you know, how much signing bonus he's going to get or all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like they, they 
as you said, pounced on the best player that was available to them. And maybe it was Collier, maybe it wasn't, but realistically he didn't go until what 17th to the Reds. Yeah, he, so he that, dropped quite a bit. So that was honestly and he's also 17 up. years old. So, like, I mean, we've seen it before where we bank on some high school prep kid, pitcher or not pitcher, and it's you know obviously not worked out for us. Um, and so I, I think that I didn't know he, he was that young. Okay, that makes me feel even better. He's 17, and I'm sure there was a lot of signing issues. Like, I'm sure that there was a lot of problems with with mm. signing that kid mm-hmm. at that slot money. Like, I'm sure he wanted a lot. Um, and so, yeah, he felt a lot. So I don't even know if he was the best available. This seemed like the most astute, well-educated guess, because that's what the MLB draft is, unfortunately, a well-educated guess. And we just hope it works out. You know what I mean? Like, like same thing with Jackson Job. Like, uh, you know, we, we just hope it works out. I think this is a way, way, way less risky of a pick than Jackson Job. And it is the exact kind of pick that the Tigers needed to do. Um, we got uh, another player up the middle, um, shortstop, right, at 51st overall. What was his name? 51st overall, Peyton Graham from Oklahoma University, University of Oklahoma. And so right there we have up the middle completely re-established our draft entirety in two picks right there. We've, we've refreshed the entirety of the organization right there. Now, do either of these two players stay at the positions they were drafted at? I don't know. sounds like both of them are a little, little weak on defense. Um, or maybe, maybe Peyton's not so much weak on defense, but I know Jason's, his defense is not, not uh, saying they, that he could possibly stay at second base. He might be like a first baseman or a corner outfielder, but. They, from what everybody's saying about young is that he, he's, he's slot, he plays well at second, uh, the the defensive questioning comes from trying to push him to third, which he has played in college. I, I think people are saying probably just stay away from third base. For, but he was drafted as a shortstop, right? No. Oh, base. sorry. No, no, no. Sorry, Young. You were saying Young. Peyton yeah, Graham yeah. is the other one. Graham Graham has a better has a has a good glove. He's, Graham his, is a shortstop. His his grades uh, for Peyton Graham, uh, his hit tool is a fifty, power fifty five, run running is sixty, arm is sixty, fielding is fifty. Overall of 50 for Peyton Graham. I love this pick a lot. I think he's might be my favorite guy they took in this draft for where, for where they took him. He was the 28th ranked player on MLB.com and they got him at 51, which is huge value there. He's six, three. He's young. He's a young kid for, for a college bat. He's 21. I, I could not be more happy with the pick they made. Right-handed hitter, right-handed thrower, sixth big kid. Uh, he has some speed. He's the first player in NCAA Division One since 2004 to hit 20 home runs and steal 30 bases in a season. And that's something the Tigers don't have a ton of. It's just a great hit speed guy. I can't wait till his bonus comes out or at least the rumor of it comes out. Cause I mean, you kind of breezed over it, but I think you and I know what that means, but like to, to, you know, someone who doesn't follow baseball a lot, like the young part of it being a college hitter and like, you know, being 21 years old, that means he's a sophomore going on his junior year, or he just finished his sophomore year. And realistically 
I know it sounds like a lot of players would like to go to the majors and just kind of cut out and, and, you know, like be done with college, but that's not often the case. Typically these guys kind of wait till junior year and, and, and then cut out. And so they're probably paying a premium on this guy. So credit to Alavila and, and, and company again, because like, the, again, the reason that he's valued at 28th overall is because yeah, while he, you know, grades out really, really high, are you going to be able to get him? Are you going to be able to pry him away from this college? And that's what everyone was not going to do. And it's important to note, you don't pick these guys that early or, you know, with your second pick on the team, if you're not positive that they're going to sign, rarely do they not sign. I know we had a hat happen last year where Kumar Rocker didn't sign. That was an injury related issue, whatever it may be. You usually like to dot your I's and cross your T's really early with these things and be sure that they're actually going to be committed to you. And they're actually going to join the team. They would not have picked him if it's not going to happen. Uh, and then the next pick, uh, we didn't have a, a pick in the third round. I believe that's because of the Javi sign. Javi, either the Javi or the Erod signing. Uh, we there's a, there's a compensation pick that went to either the Red Sox or the Mets. Um, but we had our fourth round pick at 117 overall. We got Troy Melton from San Diego State University. He is a pitcher, a right-hander. He is 6'4", 210. It's a big kid. Uh, his scouting grades and for pitchers, they do it by pitch, by the different pitches that they have, and then by control. So his fastball grades out at 55, his slider grades out at 50, changeup is at 45, his controls at 50, he's at overall 45. Um, he seems like he's a little bit more of a project pick uh, from what I'm reading. Sounds like his, his fastball is his, his go to pitch, sits. Uh, anywhere from 93 to 97. Uh, seems like he's got a little bit, he's improved his control a little bit this past season um, and that he's going to have to work on some pitch design stuff and, and working out some of his secondary pitches uh, in the minors. So good, bone, good, uh, good uh, skeleton of a pitcher so far and kind of work, uh, work on developing that a little bit, but yeah, I got pretty excited. That's a decent spot for him. Yeah, I, I, everything you've told me. This, this is where I, I actually have least amount of knowledge. I didn't get to follow any of the draft from today. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it sounds – everything you're saying sounds like a solid well, – he's technically fourth round, right? Because mm-hmm. we didn't get our third round pick. Um, it sounds like there's makings of a good pitcher there, at the very least a bullpen arm. Um, and he sounds like he can hit some nine, you know, mid-90s. Um, what was like his – I don't know. I call it like the X factor pitch, but does he have like a, you know, slider change up? What, what, what are they talking about? Uh, so he has a fastball. Um, he has a decent slider is what they're saying. He's got a, a curveball, and then he has a changeup, but it's often too firm is how they're saying it on his changeup. Okay. Yeah. So maybe they can, you know, fetter company realistically, you know, some version of that can, can work on that changeup and, Maybe he can become a starter at the worst, become a solid bullpen arm. It definitely feels like worst case scenario, he's a he's a good uh, middle to back end bullpen guy. But I mean, at in the fourth round of the draft, you're not looking you're not looking at your Kershaws. So I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with that pick. Uh, the next, the last guy that we're going to go over, um, just because I don't have a whole ton of information on the rest of them yet, but uh, Luke Gold. He's technically a second baseman. Uh, they have him. They had him as a third baseman in some places. Looks like he played both. He's out of Boston College. Uh, another kid. He's twenty-one. He's six foot, two twenty. 
So he's a, he's a pretty built kid. Uh, hit tool at 55, power's at 50, run at 45, arm is at 50, field is at 45. He's a 45 overall. Uh, scouted kid. It, it seems like he's... I'm trying to figure out how they how they uh, have him... What, what kind of a player they have him as. He looks like he's quite a bit more of an on-base guy at Boston College. He had this year a 940 OPS, which you'd like to see. Uh, looks like more of an RBI guy. I'm excited about him because it seems like he has a he has a really good uh, ability to learn and he has a really good bat to ball skills. And I think that's something the Tigers need a little bit of as well. Um, he was picked at like 150 or something, right? But he was like valued at like the 80s, right? Yeah, he's 87 overall, and we got him at 147. So take that when you will. Once you start to get past, I think, 60s, 70s in these prospect ratings, everything's kind of off when it comes to that because you're going to start to get teams that have a guy that they really like, that they really want, and they, they don't want to they don't want to risk not him not being there the next time. And baseball doesn't have a trading system for for draft picks. So they kind of have to go with their gut on a lot of these, especially start to get when you start to get the second, third, fourth round. So a little less concern on that end of it, him falling, just because it doesn't look like the, the Tigers liked him and other teams may have had other guys they liked a little better. So uh, to quickly run through the rest of the picks um, at uh, 177, they picked a shortstop from North Carolina, uh, Danny Soretti. I think that's how you say it. Um, at, in the seventh round, they picked Seth Stevenson, who's an outfielder from Tennessee. At the eighth round, they picked Jake Miller, a pitcher from Valparaiso University. In the ninth round, they picked Andrew Jenkins, a first baseman from Georgia Tech. Uh, apparently, he hits the ball miles, but doesn't hit the ball very often. Um, and then their last pick from today, the tenth round, they picked uh, Trevin Michael, a pitcher from Oklahoma. So uh, something of note here that I know we talked about, we were very excited about, is that every single one of these picks is a college player. And we really have kind of soured on the whole high school prep kind of prospects, at least as of right now, just because having some limited uh, limited return as of right now on that kind of a situation, but just really honestly could not be happier with how this draft has gone. Yeah. Uh, I'm a hundred percent with you. Now we're always hesitant to give as much credit as we do to, to Alavila. But uh, is it safe to say he did a good job? And not just him, obviously. You know, yeah, yeah. The, te- the 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 crew, the team, didn't seems like they they had a plan and they went with it. And there was some free draft buzz that they were going to take this this prelip kid out of. Uh, I forget where he's from. Hold on. You were doing some reading about him yesterday, and I, I and honestly, I'm so glad that the, from what I heard, I'm so glad. It sounded like he already had some injury issues. Connor Prelip, he's a lefty from Alabama. He has a 70 grade slider. Tell me if you've heard that before. Um, <laughs> I think there were some injury concerns. I think that was the 
the thing was like and like every draft board that we were seeing signability i was watching i was watching uh mlb's or lb networks like draft board or whatever this kid was nowhere to be found and like that's a normal tigers thing like oh yeah we're gonna pick a guy 12th overall who belongs you know in the pick number 30 or whatever i mean this who did, who ended up drafting this guy um i don't know he got picked in 2019 by the red sox but he did have tommy john last may is what okay, it's saying so that was the, um let me pull this up real quick and i'm interested sure. i wonder who drafted him i completely lost track of him after we we took our we took young after, after, i was like yeah God don't have to that. worry about it i never heard his name called in the first two rounds that i listened to and so yeah then if you find it, please interject. Otherwise, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We can uh, we can move on. But yeah, overall, fantastic draft. Um, I think uh, maybe it was a little bit of a rebuttal from last year, where yeah, like we kind of mentioned, there was some high school pitchers picked, specifically Jackson Job, number one, and there were only all pitchers picked. Pretty much, it was like East Isaac Pacheco was was one hitter that that was taken last year and he has some upside but like it was a lot of pitchers and it's like okay this organization does not need pitchers so it really feels like these these guys can uh, make a difference and important to note that they might be able to make a difference sooner rather than later because they're all college picks and they're not prep hitters Prelip um, went to the twins in the second round hmm. great so he's Four, gonna 48 this. great Great. That's what that means. You know that, right? Yeah. He's going to pitch. He's going to pitch a no hitter. Document it, right? He's going to pitch a no hitter in his debut against us. Just, just wait. <laughs> Game 163, 2.0. Um, I didn't need that PTSD today. <laughs> uh, Josh, the home run derby tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited. I thought it'd be fun if we uh, not only did some predictions of who's going to win, but I have the whole, like, you know, obviously bracketed list that we, that we do that they put out. And I think we should just go round by round and, and say who's going to win. And then, you know, kind of like do a March Madness thing. Obviously it's, you know, what, four rounds. It's not like it's going to take forever. And then, uh, then we, you know, eventually get to the winner. Is that okay? Yeah. We can call it brackets in July. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first uh, round on the, I guess, uh, leftmost side, because there's not really, like, it's not divisionally split up here, obviously, or National League versus American League. It's just all kind of thrown in the gamut. They've ranked, they've ranked the guys. They've seeds, but they, yeah, they just don't keep them. There's no, I guess there's no reason to keep them to different, you know, like to, in a separate or like separate, what am I trying to say? Uh, segregated. By league. No, I was trying to avoid that word. Um, the first round is Schwarber versus Pujols. Who takes the cake there? I like Schwarber today, just in general. I, I don't I, think that's much of a question. I think <laughs> I, I, I built it up like I, it's like I was like trying like, to not be the yeah. guy that was like Pujols isn't going to hit a home run, but. Yeah, well, I, think I, I, I think he hits a home run, but I, I don't think it's much of a contest here. I, I think yeah, no, I think it's so. zero contest. If Schwarber loses to Albert Pujols, who is, what, 41 now or whatever, how old he is? He's old. He will never live it down. Zero chance. Zero chance. Um, okay, so Schwarber advances. Uh, Juan Soto versus Jose Ramirez. Now, this one's a little fun. 
this is the one I've circled first round here that I think could be pretty fun because we all know Juan Soto. We, we, we like, we like watching him play. He's, he can, he can hit the ball long ways. And then you got Jose Ramirez. Uh, something somebody asked the other day when that, when it came Which, out that Jose yeah. Ramirez was going to hit is can he, he's a switch hitter. Exactly. That's what I was about tired, to say. If he gets tired from the left, can he switch to the right? Oh, we're just assuming he hits left. I mean, like, I know he usually hits left. Like I get it, but we're just assuming that he's going to hit left. I, I don't know. I just named one of the sides. Yeah, I think the only thing I have to fall back on are his like power grades and that will be the show 22. <laughs> and I'm I'm like 85 percent sure that he has more power from the left side. So I think that's a fair assessment. But I also think it'd be kind of electric if he just would turn around did the whole right handed thing. I don't know. OK, so who, who do you got? Uh, I'm going to take Soto just from the experience because Soto's been in the home run derby before, and this is Ramirez's first first rodeo. I'm going to take the underdog. I'm going to take Ramirez. I want to see Soto like move on, but I, I think it's going to be Ramirez. It, it, this one's close. And, and this is the technically the four seed versus the five seed, and I think it makes sense because they're, I think they're pretty closely matched up here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, moving over to the first round of the right side, uh, Pete Alonzo versus Ronald Acuna Jr. I'm going to go with the defending champ back to back defending champ two time, you know, uh, I think this is his world series and he's out to win it. This is his bonus money. This is, <laughs> dude, he's making more money now, right? Like that, that the truth about him, like making more money at the home run derby over one night, then his rest of his MLB salary is, is no longer true. Right? Like he's been I'd, have to and I'd, I'd have to look it up, but it, I'd be that's so hilarious, dude. Like I, like the guys, I, I also, I also agree. Yeah. Alonzo is going to move on. Sorry, Ronald. How, how many home runs has Acuna even hit since he's been back? Has he really been that good? Or is this just like, Hey, no one else would do it. You're a cool name. Can you do it? I don't know. I, I have not paid attention to the, to the Braves very much uh yeah i mean i think part of it is just the excitement because he is another one of those guys that just brings the energy yeah i don't know uh okay so we're saying alonzo for that one and then the last as well just before we move on here uh, alonzo signed a one-year deal with the mets this year to avoid arbitration he's making 7.4 mil this year there we go so yes he he did get a bump on the pay scale there we go um and then Seeger versus Julio Rodriguez. I'm excited to see Julio Rodriguez hitting this thing. I think it would be electric if he comes up here with his hat backwards like Ken Griffey Jr. and just hits some balls. Oh, oh, that'd be awesome. Give me, give me the kid. Give me, give me Julio Rodriguez. Okay, but do you think he'll win the round? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think Seeker is way too highly seated here. Dang. Wow. I've never been a huge Seeker guy anyway, but yeah. And I like Julio Rodriguez. I feel like if he has one objective, one objective only to hit home runs, I think he'll do it. Coming back to Dodger Stadium. That's an it's interesting a lot. narrative. Ooh, that's a fair. Ooh, that's good. Um, it's a lot of pressure to put on the kid. And like we learned last year with Otani, uh, who almost didn't even hit one home run, but he's one of the best home run hitters in, on the face of the planet. Um, it doesn't come easy. 
to to some people in this situation. I am also going to agree with you. I I'm, I think he's going to win, but I also will not be surprised if he does not perform the way that he probably should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so then we're left with Julio Rodriguez versus Pete Alonso and Kyle Schwarber versus Jose Ramirez for me and Juan Soto for you. That's our mm-hmm. only difference, right? Yeah. I'm really glad that that we only have one difference because that would have been hard to keep track of. Okay. Um, so, I mean, making it quick then, uh, I think – uh, going on the side that we were just on, the Alonzo versus Rodriguez, I think Alonzo ends up in the finals. And then I think Schwarber gets knocked out, whoever he ends up facing. I so however, think... however that amounts to your... <laughs> I, I also think Alonzo makes it. I think this is I, he's been here and done this too many times for him not to at least make it to the finals. I think with how Dodger Stadium is laid out, I think this is laid out perfectly for Schwarber uh, with the short short uh, wall down in in uh, in right field. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. It, it. I and I know like it might not matter. It might not be a difference between because Soto's lefty and Ramirez can also hit lefty, but I think Schwarber beats the Soto Ramirez winner, and I think Schwarber then wins the whole thing. I think he takes I wow. think from Alonzo. I like I like Schwarber a lot. I think he's he is built for this. Which is why I'm surprised he's doing it, because people who typically are built for this don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Alonzo's gonna three-peat. He's gonna turn from the two-time to the three-time. So yeah, I mean, like what whoever ends up in the finals between me, I think it's gonna be Ramirez versus Alonzo. And Alonzo's gonna kick butt, and I'm really excited to watch him vibe to some music. <laughs> he is in his own world the whole time, and it is so much fun. Oh no! <laughs> um. Okay, so now we know the home run derby winner. Um. And I was gonna extend this all the way to we were gonna predict who's gonna start the All Star game, but. That would be cheating because now we know who's going to start the All-Star game. <laughs> uh, Clayton Kershaw is starting for the NL the way it should be. Tony Gonzalez, good Lord. I cannot believe that he even threatened. He, dude, he had a heck of a first round. I First half. Or first half, excuse me. Sorry, I'm still in draft on derby mode. land. <laughs> land draft mode. True. Um, And then Shane McClanahan, your boy. Like you predicted, I well, I can't remember if you predicted it or yeah, said yep. it should be that or whatever. You, you you threw his name out there in the way it should be. Um, now caveat to that, asterisks to that. Uh, it would have been Verlander, but he started on Friday. So, in retrospect, do we really think the Astros would have let him throw? I and, and I'm asking because I don't know. Like with okay. the whole injury thing and coming back, but from the Tommy same Tom. question happens with Kershaw, and the answer is yes, it's Kershaw. So. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just putting this out there. How awesome would it have been if a 2022 all-star game at Dodger stadium looks like Clayton Kershaw pitching for the NL and Justin Verlander pitching for the AL. That is literally something straight from 2012. I was going to say, where are we in 2012? And literally literally no one's better than them. I don't care. Like I, like I, I, these guys, there will never, I'm going to say there's never going to be anyone like these guys ever again. 
just period full stop the workhorses that they are the the innings eater that they are the the just the absolute grit these guys have just I, like there will be pitchers who could put up good numbers that has already happened that will continue to happen like i get it but there is not a breed like these two guys that will ever happen again in baseball Did you know, verlander just passed he's at 15th he actually i think he's at 14th now because he only need one more 14th overall in strikeouts in I mean, mlb doesn't, history doesn't surprise me uh, i think a huge a huge caveat to anything you're saying about these pitchers is the game of base excuse me the game of baseball is going away from the workhorse pitcher to start with but it's so because it's a, of of they don't make them like this anymore well i also think that it's it's a lot smarter for long-term investment in in a pitcher to not throw them as many innings you say smarter i say sadder that's what i true say. i'm not disagreeing with that part absolutely not care to make any sort of uh predictions on the all-star game um i think are you planning said, on watching oh yeah for sure absolutely i i mean i i have uh I don't know what time is it at? I'm assuming it's also at eight. Yeah, I have like an appointment at, at uh, six o'clock or something, but I, I think I should be able to tune in. I'm way more excited for the home run derby to give you context because I just think that's way more. Well, fun. I just saw a notification that said the All Star game is going to be saw, uh, decided by a home run derby if it end, nine innings end in a tie. Oh, that's right. I do remember that was that that was part of the CBA. That was something they actually had to decide upon in the CBA. So there's going to be no more 18th inning of an all-star game like we had a while back. Why can't we do that for regular season games? Yeah, I'm telling you, that would be so much more fun than the stupid ghost runner on second base. Wait a second. Wait a second. Did we just solve baseball's problems? The entire well, baseball I mean, it's problems. Been, we just... It's been suggested before, but nobody takes it seriously. Oh my god! Well, okay. If we're if we're going to take the ghost runner seriously, and for some reason we are, then we can take a, a, a tenth inning home run derby seriously. Because my gosh, um, yeah, I think we said last week the AL should win this handedly. I think I think we've we've looked up and down the rosters enough to uh, to decipher that that the AL should take this game. Uh, I'm willing to say that they win this game five to two. Ooh, Ooh, that's a lot of runs. That is, that is a lot of runs. Um, I mean, okay. Let's be honest here. Clayton Kershaw could either do really good or really bad. And that's the long and short of it. He doesn't do well in these uh, extracurricular games. He's not, <laughs> he's not a playoff pitcher. We've learned that very much so. And I, I think even the one in a couple all-star games that he started, I don't think they went well. That's just me completely talking. Though. I think the AL wins eight to seven. You just said mine was a lot of runs. No, no like the, the, the lead was a lot. I say, okay, I think three so. runs is, is quite a, quite a gap. Okay. Okay. So not not necessarily the number, the the five, but you're saying that okay. no, the 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 spread, if you will, between okay. the teams. Eight to seven would be a great baseball game. I'd be excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. Now uh, you're still of the mind that Miggy comes in late and, and delivers the the game winning eighth run. Yeah, he case. drives in Julio Rodriguez <laughs> off of off of Hater. 
I and not this is a debate for a different time, probably because we don't have all the numbers on this or whatever. But it, like Riley Green or Julio Rodriguez, I'll take Green. It's it's um, early yet. That's very early for both of them. But I I I just know Julio is. I mean, he's having. I mean, he had an All Star first half. So I mean, as of right now, if you ask me right now, who would I rather have on the Tigers? Performance wise, dictates Julio Rodriguez. But long term, I still like Riley Green. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. Man, that that game in Cleveland, double <laughs> home run. Jeez. Anything this guy does, yeah. I hope I hope uh, he doesn't have like a negative effect, or sending Torque down doesn't have like a negative effect for him. I really hope. I don't think Green's like that, but I think Torque's like that. Yeah, but, I. Uh, it sounded from what AJ was saying that Torque took it pretty well, and. I think Riley Green is a huge professional guy. It's it seems like he's very much adult about everything, and he's just there to do his job. And so I, I think he'll be okay. Hmm. Anything else to add? Um, I don't think so. Uh, we in the time between this episode and the recording of next episode, we're going to have an, a home run derby, an all star game a doubleheader in Oakland and I don't know what's happening after that. We're going to get a call up of someone mystery. Well, we're person. having a lot of transactions because there's like, like Will Vest is going on the paternity list. Jose Cesaro finally has to come back after that whole weird situation. Um, and then we go to maybe we stay to, I don't know. Nope. Those are home games. We, uh, have a home series against Minnesota, and then we have a home series against San Diego. Oh, that sounds like a lot of losses. Yikes, that hurts. Well, I mean, San Diego is a—they have a good squad this year. They do. You're not wrong. They—they they do. They—I uh, think they. Um, I think they had a worse first half than they were anticipating, but maybe a better first half if you like take out the expectations or whatever hold on now i gotta now i gotta see now you're making a question <laughs> i think that people were anticipating them falling off and having a worse year than they did last year and i think they've kind of turned that around uh, joe musgrove is having... and 42 and they're 10 games below the dodgers well right it seems like the dodgers have just two and a half away. games up on the giants yeah the, the giants also i think were slated to to regress quite a bit out For there sure. and California, but yeah, I'm looking for us to sweep that Oakland series. I, you know, like I, I again, you know, I, it doesn't happen overnight or whatever, but like, I, I really hope that this break for a majority of our players besides Miggy and Soto um, is, is good for this team. I, I, I think just clear your heads, go do whatever you need to do and go take care of whatever you need to take care of. And just please come back and ready to play the next, I don't know, whatever, 77 games that we have left and just make them fun. That's all I ask. Make them fun, please. Yeah, I think a mental refresh is not the worst thing that could have happened to this team right now. So And firing Scott Kubel. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, if that is it, uh, thank you for joining me. Appreciate it. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, go Tigers. Tigers.